This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knockback, the retro and nostalgia podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by my brother, Dagan Pencil Buying Moriarty. Dagan, I can only imagine the pencil buying sprees you used, used to go on as a child. My Colored God. pencils, my God. Good to see you today, Dig. How are you? How's it's life? It's good to see you. I, it just occurred to me I should have brought you an apple. You know, missed opportunity. Next time. Next Why time. do you say what? I don't understand. Today's topic. You know that old school, like, little house on oh, the prairie thing yeah, that even yeah, our sure, generations sure. didn't get? You know, that sure, was already a sure. foregone, like, that was already a bygone thing. Yeah, what was that all about? Like, putting no an idea. apple on the on the desk of the... I, I do remember us, I do remember us getting gifts for, like, the bus driver. Sure and the teacher for like christmas absolutely religion teachers yeah that's still that's still a thing yeah the apple is kind of i don't know what is that just like kissing ass a little bit right i guess so yeah i guess an apple and and when you're eating it you think of me (laughs) it's a little weird actually when you really come down to it but dig uh does me good to see you does me good to see everyone out there as well welcome to knockback our weekly retro and nostalgia podcast i do here with my brother on last damn media patreon.com slash last damn media slash Slash. slash 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 damn media <laughs> uh, support us over there you can of course watch us on youtube if you'd like most of you of course listen to this on audio feeds please do leave us nice reviews on itunes and elsewhere it helps us a lot but of course you on patreon equals us doing this show for a long time so thank you for your support over there now i'm curious you got together with everyone on the island yes but a week ago from when we we're recording this I was curious, how, is our, how did everything go? How was the family? And It's so and crazy. First haunts. of all, how yeah. fast a week goes. We left a week ago today. It feels like we just got home like three minutes ago. You know, we got home on Sunday, which was five days ago, four or five days ago. But yeah, it was really nice. You were missed, of course. We ha- I haven't seen anybody. I, hadn't, I saw dad once or twice during the throes of COVID. He's come over the house just to see the kids. You know, he had to, he had to steal himself away. I haven't seen our sisters. And I have, we haven't seen you, of course, since really the COVID madness all started. You and Micah didn't take the trek out. Uh, you were missed. You were represented in action figure form as you for pictures and Insta and uh, right, right, social right. medias and all that kind of stuff. But here's sure, the thing sure, sure. that I wanted to tell you about the Long mm. Island trip that also kind of ties in coincidentally with today's topic. You'll appreciate mm. this. I don't know why I never got this. So as you know, Dad is a very staunch church guy. He goes to church every Sunday. He's a Eucharistic minister. He goes in our old 
town of Bellport, South Bellport over there. And so Sunday morning, everybody left pretty early except for us. We kind of, my family just kind of hung around. We were going to leave in the afternoon. So he went to church, 11 o'clock mass or something. And when he got home, we were just talking about, you know, the usual suspects of growing up that are still hanging around, still lingering around Bellport, still that he sees in church. And of course, the Cotchers, your old friends, mm. Timmy and his parents are there. I've seen them on the odd occasion I've gone to church. And you'll see people that we grew up with here and there. Well, but, RIP Mr. Cotcher, because he passed yes. away, actually, not, yeah. not too long ago. Yeah, so which, is a, which, which sucks. And I saw them yeah. probably right before he got sick or at least before they went public with him being ill. Sure. Um, which was nice to see them again together. Definitely. But, um, you know, you'll see the suspect, you know, the usual suspects, teachers, old neighbors, friends of, you know, parents of old friends. And dad came back when we were having a little bit of late breakfast or lunch or something. And he was like, yeah, I saw Mr. Esp at oh, church. Oh, wow. Right? Wow. Now, yeah, he okay. he was still at Brookhaven Elementary when you were there, right, Kyle? So right. He was the principal when I was there. He was the principal when you were there. Right. And he was my second grade teacher who became the principal in my third grade year. So I had one year with Mr. Esp as principal in that building, our old elementary school, Brookhaven Beavers represent. Yeah, the Beavers. Oof. Right. <laughs> but I, oh! dad was like, I thought I told you, like I saw him all the time, you know? And I was like, no, you never mentioned Mr. Esp. And actually, I haven't really seen him. Since I went into fourth grade. I mean, I, ha- I haven't seen the man. You know what I mean? So it was yeah, like, that was a real blast. 1983 yeah, or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like early 80s. I haven't really seen him. But I think about him a lot because he was my first male teacher. He was my first teacher that was a, actually a guy. And then the whole dynamic of him becoming a principal. So kind of knowing him both ways in elementary school and stuff like that as a teacher and then as a principal. Oh. And he, <laughs> and he was always a nice dude. You know, you, yeah. you know yeah, him. Yeah, Mm-hmm. He was magnanimous. He was kind of a gentle guy. He wasn't one of those mean sort of gruff principles. He wasn't strict. But he did always have this thing that he just saw right. He just felt like he saw right through you. Like there was no BSing Mr. Esp, right? That always seemed like he knew your story. Like you weren't going to give him excuses for anything. Like he was just on that level. And then it occurred to me, almost like a sixth sense, right? Then it occurred to me, his name is Mr. ESP. Ah, right? Yes. And then it made yes. sense. And then it clicked. Mm. I was like, he had something, a third eye, some kind of power, whatever you believe in. But he was that first guy. I always felt like my teachers were so sweet leading up to him. And then he was the one, not that he wasn't cool, but he was the one who was like, he, he kind of prepared me for the teachers to come as I got older. You know, the ones that you just could oh. put one over on. I don't, what is with you today? What is <laughs> going know. on? I don't know. You're just like, know. oh, it is Friday. I keep thinking it's it is, Thursday. Yeah. It's, it's Friday. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. It's excusable. There's, not something, there's something up. There's something up with it. <laughs> something in the water or something. It could be the heat down yeah, there, well, too. Yeah, well, that's what, I'm sorry. I interrupted your story, so. Oh, no, no, that's all. That I just, it took how many years? 40 years for that to occur to me that he's Mr. ESP. Because ESP is a really last, a weird last name. First of all, a three-letter last name. That's odd. Could have been Mr. Esper. That would have been kind of cool. That would have been kind of cool. I, yeah, there's a he was there's a Esper who was the Secretary of Defense under Trump. Oh, and that wow. was the first time I had ever seen that name. I was like, oh, that's pretty. I cool. wonder if any. I wonder if anyone has ever been like heavy played Final Fantasy to <laughs> so like this this like national security <laughs> expert. What about you, my friend? What's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, I was saying 
I don't know if I said it to you, but I, I think I remarked to Dana over text. I'm like, it's kind of serendipitous that I didn't go because I haven't felt well. And yeah. who knows why, you know, I've, I'm still kind of in the same space like yeah. at, for like the last week where I just have this persistent but very low lying just headache and stuffiness. So who knows like what I have? And so I, I probably would have felt really bad even going and maybe even would have not gone at the last minute Infected because I think that might have been family. the response. Yeah, it might have been the whole re- the responsible thing to do. Who knows who's <laughs> had it and who hasn't, but I know. Again, the the mystery is do I have anything and I'm not going to go find out. No, no task work. No, I don't we talked that. about this a but, little bit. Yeah, I I but I don't feel like it's that urgent. I feel like that stuff's for like people that really have a a, a tale to tell somewhere to go. I'm like, sure. it's just, I'm, it, I I've already been riding with this for a while. I can't imagine that. I need a test at this point, but um yeah, is I was remarking that I'm always going to wonder for the rest of my life. Like, and everyone is, isn't like, do you have COVID? You know, when you're sick, you, you don't feel well. Do you have COVID? Do you have the flu? <laughs> no, it could be any symptoms. Now we got this whole Delta variant that we're trying to Right, and then with. Lambda is coming. The Lambda What's variant the, is coming. I didn't even hear about this one. What? Well, this is why I had a really good, I had a, I had a, what I, what I feel like was a very good and very underrated tweet. Okay. Which was that the, the COVID is turning into a frat. <laughs> Oh, that, because <laughs> that's what you meant. Yeah, because, which was I thought was a really clever joke that I don't think a lot of people understood. But because it's like, you know, the alpha variant and the and the iota variant and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Why aren't we getting a delta variant? That's not a thing. No, it is. But oh, we're already past thing? that. Now there's another. Va- the delta variant is a- like alpha. The, the that's what I meant. Right. Alpha. Alpha. Va- alpha would be. That was the, the first, first one, I think. First I variant. think that was the one that escaped from the Chinese lab. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. <laughs> today yeah so that that's all that's going on in my life i'm hanging in there everything's uh copacetic and um we're doing this episode i think at a pretty timely moment because we're putting we're we're public we're going to record this and shortly after publish it in mid-august of 2021 although it's listenable at any time and uh it's about going back to school and i i was curious i was really thinking about this because Dagan and i have a couple of topics that we need to get off our plate for media but we need a little more time it's a, it's pretty demanding to go play like Metal Gear Solid 2 for <laughs> yeah, you got to like find time to do that. So so we thought we would kick this in because this has been on my list for a while of specifically that August period. Now, I'm speaking more from a Long Island perspective. I know some people are already back in school, for instance, and have been for a while, which that's I find true. very, very peculiar. I have no idea what that's all about. But on Long Island, we typically went back to school, you know, around or after Labor Day. Right. And so I wanted to talk to you about that August period. Let's say that final 30 days and how you feel and what it was like leading up to it and the various tasks that you had to take care of sure. in order to prepare for going back to school and what it was like to go back to school and what your memories are and if you have any specific years that stick out to you and so on and so forth. I think this will be a really fun, reminiscent topic. People like these kinds of topics that we do outside of our, you know, everyone now wants us to do like the MCU, like every MCU movie. Patience. <laughs> That's inevitable now. Patience. We're in it. But... Yeah, so uh, Dave, when I brought this topic up, what came to mind for you? What are, what are some of the touchstones of things that you wanted to talk about? Because I, I love especially thinking about the urgency of August. August to me still has a very weird feeling as an adult. I've been gone. You know, I'm 36 now. In fact, my 20th reunion for high school is this coming spring. Oh. And I'm not going. You got to go. No, I'm not going to go. It'd be too weird. Not, none of these people care about me. And I don't. I'm honestly not that interested. I'm not that curious about that no. either. 
no, if, really, not, if you don't have any curiosity, then it's really not worth it. I'm really not curious. Yeah, the people, yeah. I'm, the people, Instagram and Facebook and all of that have, first of all, eliminated most of that. And the people I want to talk to, I've, I've remained in touch with, with in some way. But um, and I just want as a quick aside, just a quick aside. I've been touching base with some of Dagan's old friends in order to try to get them on the show oh, so that Dagan can do one off episodes with them, by the way. So that'll be fun. We're trying. I'm trying to lay the groundwork for that. So it's going to be a pull a few teeth here. You know, we'll fun. see. We'll see what happens. But I feel like. So with going back to school, I, I love the, the just the that feeling never went away. Yeah. August has this urgency to me and and almost like, oh, no, everything's fucked up in August. And the only thing that I think about that, like August has our sister's birthday is on August 19th, Dana. So that sticks out. But otherwise, it's just this waiting game. Yes. Right. And and then you get to Labor Day and the big barbecues that long weekend and then it's over yet. I don't know that I ever truly dreaded going back to school either. Yeah, I, there were there were years where I was more excited than others, but I don't know that I ever truly dreaded it. So, again, I've been talking for a while. What comes to mind for you when we discuss this? So topic? many things, you know, growing up. And I like that you brought up the point already. Like, also, this topic sort of changes with your age as a young person. So as you get old, I, back to school momentum sort of August has a different feel from when you're six from when you're 16. So I like the fact that that dynamic also shifts. But generally, one of my favorite time periods as a kid, I really always enjoyed that back to school sort of sensation that lead up the run up period. And there's so much to say about it. But I would start by saying, yeah, August has that bittersweet feel to it. It's still vacation. It's still summer. You're still trying to squeeze in all that enjoyment, fun and friends and swimming and family and barbecues and all that kind of stuff. But also you have that impending change, that inevitable change that's coming. We talked about it a few podcasts ago that August was like the Sunday of months, you know, which I think is a really good comparison because you have that, you still have that sort of R&R feel, but it's going to change soon. It's impending and it's going to be a dramatic change. You know, back to school, a schedule, tests and teachers and looking forward to weekends where the summer is just two months worth of weekends, really. And the first thing that occurred to me thinking about this, because around 4th of July, I guess leading up to the 4th of, Ju 4th of July, I was shopping with my family. We were in Target at night, getting odds and ends, just shopping for general things and they already had the back to school displays, even though 4th of July didn't even start yet because, you know, marketing and branding and advertising, you have to go always jump to the next thing. You know, it's like Halloween, you're going to see Christmas stuff, right? And that occurred to me that that hasn't really ever changed. But this is interesting, Kyle. I wanted to pick your brain on this. The imagery of back to school insofar as branding and advertising and displays and stores and everything hasn't really changed, right? You think of the yellow school bus, you think of the iconic old-fashioned red schoolhouse with the bell on top, apples, pencils, right? But apples. how does that apply to today's kids now with their laptops and their fancy iPads and tablets and stuff? It's almost like the rotary phone. It's like kids know what that is, but they know, also know it's like a bygone thing. It's almost like a cliche now. And back to school... Hmm. Advertising and branding, you still have the school bus standee, you still have the, the Apple sort of huge cardboard display, the chalk the ruler, board, yeah. right? Yeah. It's not even about any of that stuff anymore. It's not That's a whiteboard. 
I because I was thinking even when we were doing Top Gun, I'm like, wow, they have whiteboards in Top Gun, right? Uh, that but, even yeah. seems like a bridge too far, right? Like th- these things seem antiquated, but they still stuck with that. That imagery is still going on in 2021, which I think is interesting. Same stuff I grew up with. You grew up with, right? Going right. to the that, store. Is, that is interesting. But here's the question. Yeah. But by the way, I remember very clearly I, fourth grade York Elementary School in Maine was the first year I ever saw a whiteboard at a, in a school and they all had them. And I was like, wow, this is fuck. I was like obsessed with it. Like I was like, wow, this is so cool. We had like shitty chalkboards. I know. At Brookhaven. But I like chalkboards actually more as an adult. But it was it was cool at that time. But yeah. what I wanted to ask you was about the various iconography. The question really remains. Are children buying the same sort of things today? You mm. would have more insight into that. Mm hmm. Because I feel like I was buying similar things that you were buying. Like, I remember the most the most complicated things in high school was like the graphing calculator you had to have. For oh, like, you know, whatever chemistry sure. or physics and stuff. So that was about as crazy as it got. But, you know, you buy your notebooks, you buy your pencils and your pens and whatever. Are kids buying the same stuff or is the expectation that they are on their tablets more that they don't need book covers for textbooks that are digital or whatever the case might be? I really have no touchstone as to what is happening. Yeah. You know, it is funny. I guess it's a little bit of the same and a little bit of change. The one th- kind of shift that I remember from being young, and people might be able to speak to this, and I don't think I'm off about this. I feel like today, well, let's start back when we were little. We would just go to like Cheap John's, and I'll do a whole right. thing about it. We'll talk about Cheap John's a little bit. But picture, for those of you not from Long, you know, Long Island or the Northeast, Cheap John's was like, a corporate or chain dollar store before Dollar Tree or Dollar General or our beloved Holler Dollar, Holler <laughs> North Holler Dollar, Holler Dollar. But so Cheap John's was like this sort of bulk discount store, and that's where we went. That was kind of like your one-stop shop for school supplies. And I remember that being just like clothes shopping in the run-up to school. Like you would go to Cheap John's and you would get your Trapper Keepers. And binders and spiral notebooks, maybe a couple of marble notebooks, your pencils, your pens, even the things that you weren't really in that all that excitement and that sort of flurry of like, oh, back to school, this is going to be badass. Like you even get the things you know you're never going to use, the protractor, the compass. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. It's so you're funny. never going to even yeah, break that yeah. out. It's still going to be on the cardboard backing in July, you know, like in June. So we would get all that stuff. Before there was even, and folders and all that kind of stuff, you would get that stuff before you even spoke to the teacher. Now I feel like the teacher in that first week or two tells the kids, okay, this is what you're going to need. You need a notebook for every class, a couple of folders. You're going to need number two pencils, colored pencils, crayons, glue sticks, contributing tissues and like hand bacterial stuff is always a thing like everybody contributes one to the classroom so they have it oh really yeah that's, that's a big that's, thing that's new everybody that's new. and that's not a covid thing that's been since the kids started elementary school it's like everybody contribute what? this so we have it throughout the year type thing why doesn't the school be- i don't know dude the taxes couldn't be you live in a pretty higher. yeah i was gonna say you live in a pretty nice place it's ridiculous like- you know, I, know I guess but then again, but then again, you also have it. that wild pothole at that intersection near your house where you have to where it's like you're <laughs> know, it's like it's like ATV way. versus MX or, or MX versus ATV or something. I was talking to a guy that drives an ambulance up the street in Jamison, Warwick, whatever. And he was like, I make one hundred and twenty five dollars an hour. And I was like, that's where it's going. That's it. I, that's where I was like, that's that's where the tax money's going. Thank you very much for telling me. It's very illuminating for me. But that's the big dynamic thing, which like the kids don't I guess it's good for wastefulness that the kids 
or lack of wasting that the kids actually find out specifically what they're going to need as per their teacher. But I also feel kind of bad for them because back when we were growing up, at least my generation, it's it was just more fun. You know, lunch boxes were still a thing. Trapper yeah. keepers, kind of. Yeah. You know, pencil cases. The everything was themed. Whether you're into cartoons or Happy Days or Chips or Dukes of Hazard or whatever you, Smurfs, whatever you were into. Oh my God, I would have had a Happy Days Trapper oh, Keeper if I was able to. Have I one. feel but like I missed it. That was the slightly older kids that had all mm-hmm. the cool like live action stuff, like Be- Welcome Back, Cotter and Brady Bunch and. Dukes of Hazards, Happy Days was certainly a thing. I'm sure they had Laverne and Shirley. Like, that was all, like, probably late 70s, you know, where I came in. It was Kiss and Star Wars and us all cartoons after that, you right. know. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's, for, for supplies, that's the one thing. It's like, I think the kids still get excited about the brand new pencils, you know, those pristine, crispy notebooks. You know, they're still, like, the marble notebooks. It's pristine. Nothing's touched yet. You still have all that. I think it just speaks to like the excitement and the optimism and the high hopes of like the new school year. Everybody's starting with a clean slate. Everybody's walking in that building with straight A's. There's no bullies yet. There's no homework. It's just like flashing your gear. That's it. Yeah, it's that's that's exactly right. It's the possibilities are are endless. It's fun. I was going to ask you about that excitement because I remember that excitement, too, of buying things and kind of like being like yeah i'm gonna use these colored pencils and like you said the compass i don't think i ever used a protractor in my life and although i probably was supposed to and that's probably explains a lot of my struggles (laughs) with math so i i remember that though and like yeah the new notebooks the folders the or and not only what i love is the evolution because you're saying the nice crisp neat trying to keep it that way yes especially you and i are very persnickety people and i like really take care of my things to a fault in in many ways and, and you're kind of the same sure and i remember getting so mad when like a folder would go into a bag in like october november and a corner would get bent or something it would like ruin my day you know i'd be like ah fuck Damn it. but i lo- i loved i love writing by hand as everyone knows i talk about it all the time on the show i'm always writing notes even i'm sure you can see when i'm when we're talking and i loved having these notebooks and and the different eras i went through with notebooks like sometimes i like the the five star ones, you know, like the ones with the that are really hard covered and they have like the multiple sides. And then I went through a, a, a portion of high school, actually, where I used all marbled notebooks in every class. And I had them like in my locker, like as a line. And I would just take whatever I needed out of it. They would each be labeled and I'd have really neat notes. And I actually just found some of them recently, which is cool. And then in college, I had all binders and I would because especially because in history and politics, all that you take shit ton of notes. Yes. And so you would add paper to it. And I have all of those as well. So it's actually kind of cool for anyone younger out there listening. High school, college. I don't know. Think about that. You might want to keep these things and look through them later. I found some stuff where I'm like, oh, my God, like old papers and things I wrote. I found I found this old je- paper on Jefferson Davis. I wrote in AP American History and I was reading. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, how did the writing hold up? Were you critical of it or were you like, oh, this is pretty good still? No, I was like, this is pretty good. And, you know, I got an A plus on it. And you know what? Um, Mr. Bose, shout out Mr. Bose. He was awesome. My AP Euro, AP American History teacher. He was there, I think, when you were there. Too. Sure. Yeah. And I think maybe Ali had him. But yeah, he did only AP Euro, AP American. And uh, he used to write notes, obviously, as everyone did. And I had a, a portrait of Jefferson Davis. So this goes to show you the time, right? Because yeah. this is in 2000. 2000. It was like okay. early 2000, January oh. 2000. Okay. And so I was in, no, I guess it was January 2001. I was in 10th grade. Wow. Or 11th grade. And so I, I gave him 
this paper or whatever. And I had this portrait of Jefferson Davis. I don't remember writing this thing at all, but I'm setting this up only because he wrote a comment on it and it says, and he says he's kind of fruity, isn't he? With a question mark. (gasps) Wow. Can you imagine? I was like, (laughs) times have changed. Dude, like, I didn't even think twice about that. I mean, that was nothing. I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, cool. Got like, an A. Yeah. Wow. And he, because he used to write, I remember he used to write like funny quips like in your paper or whatever. And he was like, yeah, kind of fruity, isn't he? Wow. With, like right right next to his picture. Oh, I don't know, and Mr. I like, Bose. Wow, I don't know if the statute of limitations, only 20 years ago. <laughs> Careful, Mr. Bose. Yeah, leave Mr. Bose alone. He he survived cancer and he's wow. been a great inspiration to many. And he's probably been retired. I don't even, I, I wonder. I don't even want to say what I was going to say. Never mind. <laughs> Back when you probably didn't have to, you know, dot all your I's and cross all your T's and mind your P's and Q's and all the alphabet stuff. Like I couldn't could even imagine. Be, you could just be. Dude, dude, I used to, I don't think this is a huge problem, but I always used to think like, even with like Dana in the 90s, I used to grade her spelling tests for her when I was in high school. She had like, you know, middle school kids oh, or whatever, wow. and I would grade her spelling tests because she had all these like, you know, actual essays and things to read sure, or whatever. So I hard. would. And then she would like double check them and put them in the grade book and whatever, all that kind of stuff. Wow. And teachers have teachers have a lot of hard work. So oh, if you know man. what someone it's some, it's someone's calling someone fruity, you know what? Let it go. Let it, it go. Was, it was before it was a pre 9-11 world. <laughs> yes, right. it was. Yes, it was, my friend. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. But yeah, so what was your kind of take with the notebooks and organization? Were you a similar way where you were very persnickety and organized? Because there was a moment, too, where in 11th grade, I also stopped using a backpack. Oh, that was, was a big moment for me. This. Okay. Because you know you notice when the older kids start stop using backpacks? Because I loved my backpack at first. I had like a huge 311 patch on it and like I used to write shit on it and you know in silver marker and and then eventually I just got I went through my preppy phase in, in 11th grade as I've discussed. I gotta find my yearbooks, but like that was when I started wearing button downs and you know, nice shoes and I shit. Remember I remember that era for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you that was when girls well. started that, that was when girls started to like pay attention to me. So that's when I was like, oh okay, there's I guess I shouldn't wear Darth Maul t shirts and uh <laughs> ball bearing necklaces anymore you know whatever the case whatever isn't the fuck that it funny girls doing. are so much more sophisticated and just uh, they're just ahead of the curve compared to high school boys they're more mature i mean they generally. are but the, they are but nothing else changed you know that's no. the thing that's the that's the shallowness of it like oh i still have a shelf of star wars figures in my right. room young lady i'm just you know, not, i still I'm just have not. Hello, young lady. I yes i have an x-wing hanging from fishing lines in my room still and just because you know and Yes, I BMX, but I still also play these really nerdy Japanese role playing games on PS1 and write walkthroughs for them and shit. So, yeah, you're just not advertising it. Like their loss, <laughs> their loss. But yeah, what was your style with the with the books and all and all? Of the rest? Yeah, well, it speaks to that whole back to school 
again that sort of lead up to this the year you everything was fresh new pristine that time of promise you know you had the you had the new sneaks mm. hopefully you had some new gear some new new outfits and then just right right along with that you know when you're really young you have the lunch boxes you have the brand new backpack and inside the backpack you got the fresh pencil case maybe a transformers pencil case or something and then all of the pencils and pens and all the writing implements but then the notebook thing was always interesting and it's interesting how the habits have transferred to my adult life because I always liked the marble notebook, but much to my consternation, Kyle, I couldn't rip out pages from them, right? Mm, Before they yeah. had the perforated tearaway things, like old school marble notebook. Wasn't like a spiral bound notebook. You couldn't rip something out if you made a mistake or if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to change something or you had to scribble something out, writing in pen and had to scribble something out. Again, before erasable pens, you could remember like I remember when erasable pens came in, that was a huge thing. I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade when that happened. So everything kind of that, you know, led up to that era. But it carried over into my habits as an artist with sketchbooks because I was always terrible with keeping sketchbooks or even like the graffiti bound black books that we used in, you know, to in uh, art school. And we, you know, we used to hang out on the weekends and draw stuff in each other's books. Like I could never really keep one because I was so critical. Like I, even if I got a nice head of steam 10 pages in, I wouldn't want to look at those first 10 pages because it'd be crappy drawings. And still to this day, not as much as I used to, but still to this very day, I struggle with keeping a sketchbook because of that. Because you look back at something that you did a month ago and you're like, oh shit, like I could do so much better now. It's the whole, it's that same thing as getting a tattoo. It's like I, I can never get a tattoo of something I design because inevitably I would get tired of it. Or I would think I could do better. Or I could design something better or have a better idea. Same thing with the notebooks. So I always really preferred the spiral notebooks. What I wanted to ask you, though, is did you, when you came up in school, even your youngest years, elementary school, were trapper keepers still a thing? Or is that already largely over? You know, talking about the plastic with the Velcro. Yeah, yeah I know exactly what you mean. You uh, still had those? They existed when I was in elementary school, but we were like two. I remember being like wanting one, and, yeah. and my and you know our, my mom, our mom being like too young for you don't have any need for these things. And yeah, I remember Allie and Dana specifically having them. Yeah, and they were older. They obviously had you know when you go to fourth, fifth, sixth grade and you start changing classes, it, it all looks it all seems very sophisticated. And at that time, God man, it was it it, it really did seem sophisticated. And at that time, you just didn't need it so yeah i was on the cutting i was on the cutting uh the edge of that let's say yeah the one thing i remember that i really loved that i'm sad to see and hear it doesn't exist anymore is still like the just the classic lunchbox oh. and the, the 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 decisions that you had to make my decisions were easy it was either going to be turtles or gi joe I mean, okay. there was no there was really no other choice but yeah the other exciting thing though i think about is how cool it could be to be a nerd today especially if your parents are really in tune with things and generous i guess with you because i was thinking as i've been telling you i have this guy making me all these custom t-shirts they're amazing dude like i so I, cool. I have him making me so you got to see some of these shirts like the idea is i was like yeah i want a willy Wonka, like a wonka logo shirt and he's like okay and, and it's and, and it's fucking dope you know and they're one brown and it just has the wonka logo yeah and they're one-offs they just so exist cool. just for me and 
so I have a whole list of these things that I'm buying, like dozens of them. And there's going to, we're going to be doing like a few a month or whatever. And I was thinking, man, if I had a kid and, you know, cause I'm sure a lot of kids like Fortnite and all these other things, but if you wanted to get really nerdy, like with, with G, you could get him the nerdiest shovel knight shit yes. or things that you wouldn't even know. So at the same time, it's kind of cool because I do miss those old days where you like went in and you're like, all right, what's the, I want the the G.I. Joe Duke lunchbox. And that's what you get. And you're kind of tied to it. You start ripping at it a little bit, maybe towards the end of the year, it starts fraying a little bit. You start fucking with it. But it is more exciting in the other direction, because when I was a kid, we had nothing like that. And then Hot Topic in the 90s kind of came out and kind of was important to Hot Topic is kind of an underrated piece of the evolutionary chain. You're right. Nerddom. Absolutely. And because that's where I got like my first Cobra shirt. Like that was unthinkable, like a Cobra shirt. and like I got a Decepticon shirt there and all the rest. Yeah, your generation. That's really where it came from. So, the, yeah, exactly. So it is interesting to think about the pros and cons of the different of the different generations. But I have to say, it, it, to your point, I actually found on my old marble notebooks from elementary school. Well, refound it because dad brought all my stuff and I've been going through things. It's like from second grade or something. It's just all this like <sighs> that's nonsense. Huge. But probably the last third of it is empty and I was flipping through it. And there's like a short thing you wrote in it. Oh, like really? A short, yeah, it's your handwriting. It looks exactly the same as your handwriting today. And you wrote something about like Bowser. Oh. And like some short story about him. What? I'll have to show it to you. Yeah, it's definitely. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Wow. So maybe I was probably too old to be doing that at that point. <laughs> it was pro- I was I was thinking that it's got to be Mario 3 or no later than Mario World. Era. Okay. I could see that. I was excited about Mario, like starting with two, I think. And yeah. then, of course, three and world and everything. But yeah, that's so fun. You know what strikes me too, Kyle? I feel bad for kids again. Like my sympathy goes out because growing up, my generation, like even as far as school supplies, like I remember going back to school shopping, you get like, even stating back to like Return of the Jedi, you'll get like the the cool Wicket shirt or a Luke or Darth Vader shirt. Like you could really represent what the gear you got. Right. All That's not a term you hear very boxes. often, by the way, the, the a cool Wicket shirt. I had one. I remember <laughs> I it so it. specifically. I like and I think it said... You know, it was like very, think very early 80s, those t-shirts with like that specific glittery, rubbery print on it. Very much of that era, like you think of like roller skating type gear, right? It had like a really high quality print, like, but it would come off in the wash and stuff like that. But then it was Wicket and it was him standing there, maybe with like a little indoor backdrop and he had his spear and I think it said on it wicket w warwick like it was so cheesy but it was like that i was so excited about this was probably fourth or fifth grade for me that I, you know it was one of the things you wanted to wear every day but mom right. would have to like you know slow your roll like you wore that yesterday like at least wait till the end of the week type right. thing right yeah because you don't realize when you're a kid that you're being kind of judged not by other kids necessarily but parents looking at like why are you wearing the same clothes they have to monitor again. that I see yep. that with like Graydon. He's not even 11 yet. He still would do that. If he had a shirt he was excited about, he would still want to rock it. He actually does that, you know, with uh, whatever, whatever he's excited about, Animal Crossing or Among Us or something, like whatever image he just wants to rock it, like he wants to show it off, you know. I remember that feeling, but it carried over for us to like the lunchboxes, the backpacks, the school supplies. Like I can remember even being a little older like Ocean Pacific, everything was like Ocean Pacific mm. and Hobie, kind of that surf West Coast vibe, right? But this is probably like sixth or seventh grade for me. And 
that, you know, jams, like floral print jams, shorts, and like everything was that vibe. So you could get like the windsurfing palm tree trapper keeper and the notebook illustrations like on your spiral bound notebooks could be that surfer thing in your pencil case. So you could really represent and just kind of rock the things you were excited about where now I feel like kids are less apt to do that. Like they're just get like, all right, like they're not even, they don't even think that way. It's like, all right, if I have to get the notebook, just get me the blue. It's like a color, you know, like I'll get the blue, I'll get the yellow. It's not themed. Like when we were young, everything was like strawberry shortcake and GI Joe. And again, happy days and chips and Dukes of Hazard and Transformers, of course, Star Wars. Now I think kids are just like naturally they have less of a propensity to be nerdy almost. And the stuff's not really there, you know, like you have to go like seek it out, like at a party store or something. Now it's not like that's not on the shelves as much in target or Walmart, you know, where it's like, they're almost being forced to get older quicker. If that makes Mm. sense. Like that kind of same stuff isn't, isn't really available. And then like, Maybe you'll get to 10 or 11 year olds that are like, all right, like I'll rock something that's like PlayStation themed or something that feels more like kids aren't going to make fun of me. I already see that with Graydon. Like he's less, you know, like he's less kind of um, willing to show off the things he's excited about. Like you were saying, almost like in private, like he's still going to go home and play Breath of the Wild, but he's not going to dress as Link this year because he thinks he's too old for it already. Well, oh, it's that's like, too I, bad. Because, I feel yeah, like that's... we went through that a little later, at least. You yeah, know, I agree. I understand. Years. I understand what he's saying. I, I am interested to see with him specifically, like his not his access. He, actually, his access to games is almost unlimited. He can play whatever he wants. Sure. You have yeah. thousands of games in that house. I mean, especially my stuff and your stuff's way more than that. So but it's all there. And I'd be interested to know as he matures, if he's ever going to be attracted to the other platforms, you know, or if he's going to stay in this Nintendo space, because by the time I was his age, I was way interested in the other stuff. Yeah. And that will, I think, also help to tell the tale of if he continues to rock like the Animal Crossing stuff, which I think is cool. Like he doesn't realize that that's cool. Yeah. Like to keep wearing that. Right. I wear nerdy shit. I'm 36. You know, I have a I wore a shirt yesterday, I had a huge, huge Fireflies logo on it from The Last of Us. But that's the thing is that I think as he gets into those other games, yeah, he'll it'll kind of give him a bridge. Like Among Us is one of those games, maybe, but where he'll be like, well, you don't have to rock the Pikachu shirt because you can rock, you know, this Uncharted shirt yes. or this whatever Halo shirt. Sure. And that's what I'm wondering about. Does he just as an aside, does he shown any propensity for for I know he likes Fortnite, right? But he just wants started. to like. He just oh, okay. like so that's his access to it, right? Like he doesn't understand or he, he understands, but he doesn't play. He doesn't play PlayStation. You know, like he doesn't play on that platform really, no. right? I mean, I mean it's Minecraft. It. He plays PlayStation on he plays Minecraft on PlayStation 4. But it's interesting that you talk about this because it's really kind of like on the top of our purview right now. He has friends. Well, once one friend specifically who doesn't seem to have many limits as far as what he plays. And what he watch, what they watch on YouTube as well, which is a, kind of a lead into what they're attracted to, I think. Whether it's Let's Plays or, you know, big YouTubers talking about certain things. Graydon's got his interest peaked in, for instance, Grand Theft Auto. And I'm like, Graydon, you're not, you can't do it yet. Like, you're just not ready for that. And he's like, you know, I'm like, when you're 13, 14, I could start walking you through 
that with you and play those with you. But I feel like Fortnite is the bridge because you have the third person shooter angle. And I think that's going to be a lead into the things that come later, whether it's something huge like Call of Duty or something more, you know, something more contemporary, I would say, like a Last of Us type thing, which I know he's going to want to play those games because he, he just wants to play games. He's into it. Like, I thought it would be cool to show kind of play Metal Gear Solid 2 with him and introduce him to the idea of a stealth game because he's never really done that before. I would have liked to start with the first one with him, but it's okay. Like, it's something that we could do together and have a conversation. And I think so far it's going okay. We only played like a night or two so far. But I think with this one specific friend, he has this curiosity now, this budding curiosity of like the things that are out there. Like, he knows, he's at the age now where he knows even if he's not playing it, it's out there, it's available, and it's something he can work his way up to. So I think coming out of the Mario and Zelda and Animal Crossing and he was really into Splatoon and stuff like that, coming out of Nintendo IPs specifically and crossing over into just more sophisticated, mature games, he's going he's gonna to be all over that. And I think for, like finally letting him play Fortnite, I think, was, a, was kind of an important step in a way. Because I, not only does it prepare him for the mechanics and the engine and the gameplay model and stuff, but it just prepares him for the, you know, the dynamics, whether it's physical or emotional, whatever, of just like being, you know, playing a shooter, playing multiplayer, playing with other people online. Maybe he know, maybe it's couch co-op or maybe he's playing with people he know, only knows online. So I think it's going to be interesting. And I think it's shifting. It's start, this is probably the biggest shift for him yet because he came up really really playing nintendo games the other interesting thing that you'll appreciate is the two consoles that are pretty much not hooked up which are the n64 and the gamecube are the ones he's the most specifically curious about because he has so little reference and the virtual consoles you know game or games he could play you know on other things emulation probably kind of sparked his curiosity for those things but that's another thing it's just like a natural dynamic he's going to be the most curious about the things he has little experience with so that's been that's been kind of fun too and just writing for this n64 book you know finishing my reviews and seeing i I play all on emulation but i think the other thing is they're kind of like drawn to it like moths to a flame because it looks really especially n64 looks really primitive to them and they're like what was this era like they understand like this is the evol- this was an evolution this was this is why it came to be what it looks like now but we had to go through this period first yeah which it's like they're Lucy, curious about you know <laughs> like in the evolutionary tree it's like it is interesting and he, it'll make sense that he's linearly most interested in going backwards on the Nintendo line mm. he obviously plays NES and SNES and is very familiar with those but there's some mystery for sure, probably on N64 and GameCube. I have fear that with GameCube, I think it holds up. But I think with N64, he's going to find that much of that mystery doesn't doesn't particularly hold up. Very yeah, well, I could do without this. Yeah, I, I think. But I understand that curiosity. It's just. I wonder if he will jump to one of the HD twins and if which one he will and, or if he'll want, you know, when he imagine him as 14 or 16 years old and he has maybe access to money and a job and stuff. Well, what will he play? Yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But. As far as the uh, I wanted to ask about, so your kids with their supplies, do you buy them whatever they ask for or do you have like a limit? Because I do remember. I remember it was a big deal when we would get something above and beyond. I remember like the the markers that smelled good. Those are so good with the little goofy character. Sure. 
and they still exist, I think, but I love, I absolutely fucking loved those markers. And I always coveted my own because we'd get to use them in art class in elementary school. And, you know, I'd be sniffing the, the I mean, toxic, they're non-toxic, but even if they were toxic, I, I would have been loving life with those things. Oh so my God, they were I remember so getting good. my own one year and that was like so exciting. Do you kind of get whatever they need or is there like a barrier in which you say? Yeah, like, no, I, I feel like it's funny that you bring that up. I don't remember mom and dad imposing limits on our school supplies where we grew up with limits with everything. Like we couldn't, we weren't going to get everything we asked for in the grocery store. We weren't going to get all the clothes we wanted or the specific, like, especially when Reebok and Jordans started to come in. Like I wasn't getting $110 Jordans in 85. Like there was just no freaking way they were going to break down for that. So, but I feel like with school supplies, it was kind of, maybe it spoke to like that dollar store thing where it was cheap anyway, the bulk store, cheap Johns and everything. But I feel like they were just like, go wild. That was the one area where they were like, just go wild, like get what you want to get. And again, it was exciting because of the branding or because of the imagery and the trapper keepers and all that. I feel like generally, and we, this comes up in the podcast a lot, like I guess Helene and I, we're fortunate. We, we're probably, I would argue, even of the time period of better means than mom and dad were, let's say in the mid 80s, you know, where they were a little bit, there had to be a little more imposing limits because they just, they just had a little bit less. We certainly weren't wanting for a lot, but you know what I mean? Like, there were yeah, no limits Ziploc on bags. stuff. No Ziploc bags. No, <laughs> no Ziploc bags. That was, and, that was one of the limits. <laughs> and no, like, I rem- and I remember this before they imposed those laws, like, breakfast cereal was, like, expensive, dude. Like, I remember it being, like, $8 a box and stuff. They were like, you're not getting the Fruity Pebbles. I'm not paying seven sixty nine for a box of cereal, you know, in the late 80s. So things have shifted in that regard, too. But I don't remember them imposing a lot of limits. With our kids, again, like... There's a couple of things. First of all, it's up to the teacher. It's as per the specific teacher asks for things. So they'll say, like, your kids will need this. They'll need this many pencils. They'll need the glue sticks. They'll need, you know, again, like the cleaning supply tissues and hand sani and all that kind of stuff. I'm so so fascinated by that. That's interesting. But here's the other interesting thing that I don't remember from when I was a kid was that the teachers will request art supplies, too. So in that is like, a box of crayons, whatever they ask for, 24 assorted colors, colored pencils, markers. The kids, I guess leading up to having laptops for every student three or four years ago, like they had their own miniature whiteboards and we'd have to get them the Expo markers, the multicolored Expo markers. So there was all the stuff that they needed, maybe even paint, tempera paint and brushes fall into that category. But I don't remember that being a thing like i remember the art supplies being furnished by the school and also a lot of the elementary schools in our area and this may speak to being in an old place bucks county's pretty old like this the kids school building there's 15 elementary schools in our 16 in our district ours is the oldest and i think it was founded in like 1901 so that's how old the building is now it was expanded on and modernized obviously but a lot of the kids, it's K through six, they have art on a cart. So there's not even an art room for every student. So the, the That's art the way it was when I was in Catholic school. That's the way it was. Oh, it was the same school. for you doing? Yeah. 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 And maybe it speaks to that. They're just, you know, like the kids could keep them in the art supplies in their own classroom because the art teacher is coming in anyway. So it may speak to that whole model. But those are the big dynamic shifts. And I think the kids really don't get excited about it. And that also may be technology. You know, they get more excited about an app 
or doing something on the tablet or the laptop. So, which is kind of a shame because the old pencil and paper thing was so exciting, at least in that run, you know, that first two or three weeks of school where it's still, everything's still fresh and pristine and you're sharpening a pencil for the first time. You got a brand new number two pencil and or an erasable pen or a rock. You remember the rocket pens? You could do, do the different colors. Yeah, those were cool. Highlighters, like all this kind of stuff is lost on kids. Like, I guess what you would call like modern day or, you know, like old time note taking, you know, where you're kind of doing everything and you're hyphenating and doing your asterisks and you're highlighting certain things for certain categories. Like, nah, that's all done in the computer now. Like they, you know, now they know these word doc programs or, you know, all these things that kind of, kind of mystify me still because I kind of missed all that. You know, I was taking, even in high school, this is how old I am. I was taking word processing. We talked about that before, Mm. you know, where we were on like word processors before it was computers. You know, they were computerized word processors, but they were really modern typewriters, right? So it's just, cha- it's it's amazing to think how much it's changed, even since I graduated in 92. But taking that back to even elementary school is like another time, man. Might as well be Little House on the Prairie where we have like little <laughs> slates, you yeah, know? Yeah, I guess, well, that's, it, it's funny that it's lost on them, but it it is, I guess just this, it is just a sign of the times. I just can't believe, because I've, Throughout my even my career at IGN, a lot of people would always be like, I'd always carry, as I said, a notebook or a, a legal pad around me. And they'd be like, why don't you, why are you writing notes? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, that's how I write notes. That's how I wrote notes in college. I was one, because I remember when I was in college, maybe it would start to get more and more as I was there, but people would take notes on their laptops. You might see like half the class with their laptops. Yes. I didn't do that because I didn't have a laptop in college. I only had like a desktop computer, but also I like just taking notes by hand. I think it's just a matter of what, what you use. So I love writing. Like I love writing, especially with this pen, this uh, pilot precise rolling pen, extra fine. I fucking love it. And you find that writing, you know, the old fashioned way, it's sort of something where it kind of drills it. I feel like it feels, it feels like it kind of drills. It helps drill it into your brain and instill it, you know? So it's like, especially for the show, like things you want to say, or, you know, even for traditional school, like you're saying, college, like helps you kind of retain that information. Don't you feel that way? Where the computer yeah. or it adds a step because eventually it's going to end up in the computer. Maybe it's slow. It, it slows you down, I think, and makes it a little more deliberate. I don't know. I, I don't sure. mind. I write a ton of things, too. Like there are definitely letters that I should write that I am that are way too daunting to write by hand that I, I should type out or whatever that stopped me from writing them. So it does go both ways. But it is it is funny to hear that. And I wanted to ask you, as far as your own escapades with with the supplies, what were some of the IP that you tended towards? Do you remember any specific years? Did you try to unify yeah. your various? Because uh, that's you have a lot of loves, so it, it's it must have been hard for you to figure out. It's got Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Transformers oh, Indy, and GI yeah. Joe and Mask. Although Mask, maybe you were a little old yeah. at that point to get that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, Mask was interesting. But, yeah, go on, yeah. Mask was an interesting one for me. I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but that was the toy line that came out that that was where I was incognito. Like I was completely covert about it because Mask came out probably in the summer between fifth and sixth grade. And it just seemed like sixth grade was that line of demarcation. That was the yeah, time I where agree. it was just, you couldn't come into sixth grade and still be playing with toys. And I think that had a lot to do with the, especially with the boys that I grew up with. Like it just crossed over into sports. 
whether you were a huge Rangers fan. I remember this guy, Mike, that I grew up with was a huge Celtics fan, and everybody was excited about Jordan and Larry Bird and the specific sports and maybe baseball, but football, hockey, and basketball seemed like the big things. And then Jordans and Reeboks, and like everything started to shift to sports and clothes. But Mask came out, and I was like, there's just, you know, something in me was like, there's just no way I'm not participating in this. Like, I have to have these. It's too amazing. I think I was drawn to the vehicle aspect of it crossed with the sort of action sci-fi-esque thing where these things transformed into kind of like a Transformers dynamic where it was a vehicle, but it transformed into something cooler. And also the scale, the action figure scale was brand new. You know, how the mask figures were smaller than three and three quarters. There was just something about it that I was just like, I have to do this. And I probably only did it for a year. But that was the first thing where it was like, I didn't really, I probably played with Tommy with those because he was into it too. But don't forget, he was a year younger. So mm. he had that extra year yeah. where it was like, he didn't really have to be on the sly with it. But I, I did it for a whole year without really even talking to anybody outside of probably Tommy with that. But I also remember the frustration of even dating back younger to like first grade where I was into things that there was no branding for. That was one thing. It was like, whether it was G-Force battle of the planets or robotech later on voltron was like this where it was like there weren't voltron folders and notebooks and stuff like that so that was always sort of a little heartbreaking for me as a kid it was like some of these things like i don't even know like it would have been so cool to have access to like japanese markets to get that kind right. of stuff back then right but that didn't exist and we weren't hanging out in chinatown you know that's what i was gonna say you would have had to go to the depths of absolutely of which would have been amazing or, yeah i would have loved that so it was like but I, I didn't tend to sort of coordinate, you know, but I did, you know, I remember starting out and I was thinking about this with lunchboxes. Like, how did it start with me with lunchboxes? Well, I can remember at kindergarten, I had a Kiss lunchbox and that Kiss was huge in the late 70s to early 80s. That was my huge thing. I had my Kiss posters on my wall. That was my my jam. And then the, it seemed like the lunchbox every year represented what I was into, like first grade might have been Empire Strikes Back. And then don't forget, these are the old metal lunchboxes. Second grade, I remember I was really, really into football. So I had like an NFL lunchbox, which had like all the helmets, all the markets around it, all the different helmets. And then on the front might have had the NFL logo or something. That was cool. And then third grade was, you know, I remember fourth grade was Return of the Jedi. I don't remember what third grade was, but that always spoke to what I was specifically really into in that era. And then I didn't really try to curate or organize everything. Like, I would just get a little smattering of what I was into. Like, Transformers was definitely around when I was still of age to not be embarrassed to play with Transformers. So, fourth and fifth grade, it was Transformers folders. Maybe I had a Decepticon notebook, pencil cases, all that kind of stuff. So, and it, it evolved through the years. I think if I come into school a little bit earlier, it would have definitely been like Chip's dukes of hazard but that stuff was already like that was probably my preschool years so i wasn't really able to rock that year you know what i mean like i was i didn't have a lunch confederate school you know sweet confederate flag on your uh, (laughs) yeah exactly you know that might have been an image on that lunchbox oh i bet it was was. because the general lee had that on the door yeah i mean that's the iconic the iconic image is the general lee the general lee general lee that speaks to the era right oh love boat like it would have been all that oh, kind of love, stuff. Oh, I was love rocking boat. love. Oh, I was watching Holy love boat at grandma and grandpa's. Man, I was 
Sure. I was confused by that show. Fantasy Island, even more confusing. It's like, why oh is my that God. little I'm, guy? I'm still, I'm still confused by, yeah, Tattoo, I, I'm still confused by Fantasy Island. Who the hell is this dude? <laughs> Who's this man? Dwarf. Yeah, where did this man come from? Dwarf. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Dave. Well, we, let's talk about clothes. Oh. What were you trying to angle for here? What I remember, and this was what I remember, especially in middle school, high school. First of all, when I was in middle school, I was in private school. So I wore a uniform. That wasn't even a thing. And it was awesome because we would have so-called dress down days every few weeks where you would come in and you would get to rock whatever you wanted. And that was you didn't need too much because it's like you would see people like you go to the movies, you'd see them. I always I remember that era being really funny because you'd like go to the mall and everyone would be in their normal clothes. Right. I remember rocking like a stormtrooper shirt I had and stuff going in. You know, I also got I think I told you guys I got sent home because I had a mohawk Yeah. Um, and I got I got sent home. Sister, <laughs> Sister Monica sent me home to get it shaved off. I hated that fucking woman so much. So. So mean. What I remember was I would be able to get like, so, so let's say high school. So late 90s, early aughts, like two or three pairs of new pants. Maybe like some various shirts. We'd go to Bob's, me and dad. OK, Bob's. Big, I don't know if that still exists, but it's like the big. I think it kinda, does. I don't know what it, I don't know what it's what. How do you explain it? It's a big clothing store, but yeah. it's kind of like, you know, bu- more budget clothing. store. Sure, sure. And I remember getting like one pair of shoes that's what you get and maybe you'd get a replacement pair midway through the year at some point okay so i but i remember what was cool for me was i think we discussed this like airwalk was at one time a a great brand that then totally went and was like i'm gonna become a budget brand now i don't know what happened in that like that happened that happened kind of to vans as well although they've managed to kind of remain relevant because they're culturally hip and cool yeah yeah but even seeing that vans logo on the side like that stripe was even a little more rare but I remember really wanting to get like and I was able to buy them later myself like Etnies or DVS or something like that that I really wanted a really good chunky sneaker that made you look like a mech or an android. <laughs> yes, they were so, so chunky and blocky at that point. I love that. And the pants, I, I I'm happy to say that for the most part, I, I missed Jenko and all the weird shit that that yeah, was you did miss huge that. in my era. I didn't I wasn't into like looking like I was in corn and shit like that. That was I, I did miss that. The big rave pants. But, right. Like I, I missed a lot of the bright colors i didn't look like a, a late gi joe character you it's know in like point. bright orange but i had my own foibles of course going in there but what was what do you remember the structure being and what what were you looking for at various eras because i i also remember when i was younger i didn't want anything to do with it i was like i don't care yeah, i i, I really was as a kid i'm like i don't care i don't want to do this i dreaded it and can you imagine just years later you're like that's what you would wish that your parents would be like let's go clothes shopping <laughs> But when you're in fourth grade, you're like, I don't want to go clothes I know, shopping. God, like, I don't care. Anyway, talk to me a little bit about that. You know, it's funny. Your generation really did dodge the awkward clothing fads and trends. Some reason, like you're, I don't know, you you considered a millennial or are you a little older? Than I that? am, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it goes, I'm born in 84 and I actually think it goes until like 86 or something. Yeah. Or, no, I'm sorry, until 82 rather, 82. To you're something. on the upper end. Right, like I'm almost Generation X, but not quite. No, no, no. I de- you're right. definitely not. Yeah, you're you're too young for that. But 
You did, but that would be the next. But that would be the. But I'm saying, but that would be the next. The next one. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how that sort of the way back to school shopping changes as it get older. I think you're right. When you're little, and I was lucky. This again, it speaks to my generation and what we had available to us. Mom and dad would humor us with maybe one piece of clothing or two that got us excited. So like you could get the Star Wars shirt, you could get the Empire Strikes Back shirt, and then the rest is just picking out really uncomfortable. Like I remember like Goranimals and like jeans before jeans were like brushed cotton. They were like hardcore like farm <laughs> denim. You know what I mean? It was like, dude, they were itchy. You know what I mean? I feel like they made them like that. They were itchy and heavy and like stiff, very starchy. Like, I remember, like, really, like, please don't make me wear this. Like, it's, and the shirts felt like, it was like, oh, my (laughs) God. Like, dating back to preschool was terrible. (laughs) Like, before, like, clothes got comfortable. So, like, the one thing they could appease us with, like, all right, you could get the one odd, like, Star Wars shirt. Or, like, even random things. Like, anything with a cartoon on it. Like, it didn't even have to be, like, Garfield or a franchise that was recognizable. I remember I had this shirt. I freaking loved this shirt. I wish I could find it. It was just a random t-shirt. Again, it had that rubbery sort of high quality iron-on print from the late 70s. And it was a cartoon rat, a generic cartoon rat standing there. And it said rats with an exclamation point. Under- oh, and his tail was stuck in a mousetrap. And I loved it. I wanted to wear it every day. I remember rocking that thing when I was like seven or eight years old. I don't even know why. I guess it was a cartoon, so I was drawn to it. But that was probably the one thing that got me through school shopping that year. And, you know, I was, I tell Graydon this all the time. Like, I was brought along by not only mom, not even so much mom, but Aunt Carla and grandma, especially because they were so, they were such legendary shoppers. Like, they were shop till you drop every weekend, mall, box store, flea market. Like, that's what they considered a good time. And I was along for the ride a lot. So I got sweezies, like all these like places that were just like almost unbearable. And I <laughs> weekend in and weekend out, they would take me along. So I got used to it. You know what I mean? So I was probably pretty easy to appease. Like I'm going to get you a, a piece of candy or I'll get you a Smurf or this t-shirt. Like that's what you were like. You would get a treat at the end of the day. And that's why you were just patient, you know? And then do you... I was going to ask you this, Kyle, if you missed this or not. A big part of back to school and back to school shopping, of course, for our family was Lord and Taylor in right. Garden City because that's where grandma worked right. and she yes. got a discount there. Now, our grandma, if we didn't speak about this on the podcast before, she was a waitress in the restaurant in Lord and Taylor, which was called the Birdcage, which was like a really like ladies who lunch type upper crust like lunch spot that was inside this department store and i always feel like a lot of people don't know lord and taylor i i feel like lord and taylor was a little more niche than like a sears or a macy's jc penny back in the day we had ans now we have nordstrom and bloomingdale's i feel like lord and taylor floats somewhere between macy's and bloomingdale's like it's a little higher end and maybe i'm wrong maybe it's even as high end as bloomingdale's i don't know but it always seemed like a more expensive department store, certainly higher than a Macy's or a Sears. And I think grandma, if I'm not mistaken, got a 50% discount. So we would just roll through there and get stuff that we would never get in a million years had it not been half price. So we would always go in. 
It was a Lord and Taylor day. Maybe see grandma if she was working for lunch. Have like, they had the most delicious chicken salad. I remember that. And we would just get gear, you know, and it, it could be like, even like swatches, like mom and dad weren't going to get us swatches, but if they were 50% off, you know, you had the whole swatch counter there or whatever. Like, I think that's why we got, or nice winter coats, like really, and it wasn't even a name brand thing. I think it was just quality stuff that we would have probably been in Sears had it not been for grandma's discount Lord and Taylor. Now, do you have any memories of being there and shopping there, Kyle, or did you... I, I'm trying to remember because she definitely still worked there when you were little. Yeah, no, she did. I, I, um, yeah, I do remember that as well. And it's funny, the chicken salad thing scratches a weird itch in my mind for some reason. But I remember with Lord and Taylor, just the iconic box, right, with the script on it, and yeah. the, it was like a rose or something. Yeah, it was yeah. like some sort of ro- and yeah, it was, yeah, that, that's that was right. like, and it was like some sort of common scene in our lives because we were people were getting so many things there. So it, it I do. Yeah, I do remember that. And it's funny, like clothes shopping is a bit of a burden for everyone involved, but it's this necessary thing. And I was thinking about this. You would appreciate this. I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it have been smart to wear like the same stuff you wore the year before for a little while, like integrate that all in, save the good stuff for later. When everyone's new shit starts getting tired, you start looking, you start looking a little great. You can really stand out. Every I what I love I remember being cognizant of this in high school like going to high school and being like everyone here is this is exactly what they've been waiting to wear yes so let's take let's take a look around you know let, let, let's let's investigate and it was funny as hell I I actually think I grew up in a really funny era with dudes with like the 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 gelled up thing sure, in the front of their hairs sure. and tons of button downs and like shirts on top of shirts on top of shirts like you'd wear like a long sleeve shirt and then you'd wear like a short sleeve shirt and so you wear 90s. like a button down over it and absolutely people that would wear i mean i had a belt that would like hang down like in front of your pants you know like the belt was too long and yeah so the fabric belts yeah 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 Definitely. exactly with the metal clasp or whatever and yeah and it would like flop down and yeah man it's just a lot of funny memories and but i remember just cycling through these specific just pairs of pants and shirts and all that and it got a little actually when i went through my preppy stage and then 11th grade and then 12th grade i kind of evened out and just i still dress the same way which is just a cacophony of everything it was kind of nice because then i was like well i have like a bunch of t-shirts that i can wear sometimes and then i have like a shit ton of button downs and various jean combinations and all these i was kind of getting a little into it i don't know i don't know what that was all about but i do remember that very specifically. Do you remember coordinating shopping. outfits specifically when you got a little older? Like, would you say like, even in the store, like, oh, this, this would look good with this. And Definitely. or even that first, like orchestrating or curating that first week, especially of outfits, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, Everybody you, became I've, a fashionista. Even if you weren't generally into fashion that first yeah. week of school or two, you would just rot. Everybody would be into that. You know what I mean? Like everybody, but you're right though. Everybody'd be rocking something. And it was almost expected. I like the clever strategy of waiting. That would have been interesting to me. But do you remember, Kyle? Like, I do remember a very specific period, probably late in junior high school. That's when everything seemed to get like swap. And it was like, you're too old to have fun anymore type dynamic going on. Thank God for skateboarding for me, which I took up in eighth grade. That kind of saved me from that. But I do remember a time where it was like elementary school, like, you're picking out these outfits. Oh, I'm going to wear this on two- Monday. And then Tuesday, I'm going to wear this. And Wednesday, I'm going to wear this. And then I remember the shift where it was like, it wasn't cool to look too fresh. So maybe 
like it looked like you were trying too hard or you know that that's not cool to be wearing like brand new clothes like you look like an idiot you look like a little kid like concentrating on that stuff so like maybe you went in with a new fresh pair of sneakers and then you had to try almost it almost kind of flew in the other direction like you had to try not to look like you were trying too hard so like Maybe you wore the new pair of pants, but you wore a shirt from last year. Like, I remember that's how ridiculous it was. The the social pressure was like, mm. you can't, that's for like your little siblings. Like you're in ninth grade now. You can't look like you're trying too hard, you know? And then people, what happened to me, I don't know if I ever told this story on the podcast before. I was in ninth grade. I just started high school. Obviously high school for us on Long Island and Bellport specifically was nine through 12. And I was so excited about this outfit. And the it seemed like the outfit that you were the most excited about, you didn't rock that on the first day. You rocked that on like the second or third day. You know what I mean? Kind of like prolonging that excitement, right? So I put this outfit on. I remember exactly what it was. It was so weird. I don't even know why. It was so not like early 90s. It was these khakis, but these olive colored, like military colored green khaki pants. And this was before cargo pants jumped off, but they might have had cargo pockets on the side. I'm not sure. And new sneakers. And then the piece de resistance was this purple hooded sweatshirt with some like, I don't know, bum equipment type text on the front. Like just random, but I thought it was super cool. And the sweatshirt might have been like kind of lightweight and not cropped but like baggy on the bottom type thing. It wasn't cinched or anything like that. I don't know why I love this outfit so much. I can't tell you why. But I remember being so excited to be wearing it. And this girl, I'll never forget. I went to school with her since I was a little kid. This girl, Missy. I won't even say her last name. But I saw her years later, and this is a great part of the story. I remember it was social studies class. It was the first week of school, obviously. She just, I don't even know where it was. This is a random attack. She just like, it was quiet in the class and she was like, I was a teacher stepped out for a second or something. And she was like, dude, like something to the effect of like, dude, what is up with that outfit? Like in front of everybody. And she was like, kind of like chastising the color, co- like who wears purple and green, like saying that type of shit. Super mean spirited. I mean, it was completely unprompted and it broke me. I was like, what? Wow, the I, w- I would bet, man. I it was bet, terrible. Yeah. And I I remember this is this is a terrible thing to say, but this th- th- I remember this happening. Like somebody in her family passed away a couple of years later. And I remember <laughs> harboring that resentment so much. I was like, fuck her. Like I remember feel I didn't say that, but I remember feeling that, you know, because when you're a kid, it hurts. You know yeah, what I mean? No, you have to like I didn't I couldn't say anything yeah. back. Like I was defenseless. And dude, I'll never forget this. I moved to California. Early in my career, this is 2000, 2000 or 2001, I was at this Animation World celebration, which was like this big party that Animation Magazine put on every year. Big, huge thing at like this beautiful spot, hotel with the pool in the back, completely catered, cocktail waitresses and everything. Who comes over to me to ask me for a drink? Cocktail waitress. It was her. It was, it was Missy. And I remember... Because I would never recognize her, but I ordered a Long Island iced tea. And she was like, oh, I'm from Long Island. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. I'm from Long Island. And she's like, you know, it was like that whole thing of like narrowing it down to Bellport. And I was like, holy shit, wait a second. You're Missy left, you know, p- to protect the innocent. We won't say the last name. Right, right. That's but innocent. I, I was like, wow, that 
is crazy but you know that was like a back to school story that might have been the beginning for me of like all right you got to give less of a shit because you're standing out too much like you're put you're pressing you know what i mean like you're you look like you're trying too hard and you're inviting <laughs> you're inviting like cruelty so, so she kind of she kind of did you like a little bit of a favor maybe in some yeah in some like maybe made me realize like all right this chapter should be this chapter should be ending, which is also kind of weird because I had already been skateboarding, but it wasn't a very skateboardy outfit. So I might've still been in those. We had very, and I don't mean this to sound anti-Italian. Obviously we love being Italian, but we grew up in a very Guido-y area. Okay. Oh, no Where it was like the Z Cavaricis and the hair and the travel Fox sneakers. Like it was very, it was, it was really you know, our parents were all coming out of Brooklyn or the Bronx, you know, very or Queens, very Italian. We just grew up in that type of air. I rock and the Trans Ams like that's just the way it was where we grew up in that, you know, 80s into the 90s. I rock Z. Got and I still on. was, I think, holding on to that a little bit of like those influences of being around that with my friends and their families and their cousins and stuff. So that might have thrown me completely in the direction of skateboarding gear like vision streetwear like you're saying even though airwalks had become like a department store brand you weren't walking into the surf shop just to buy airwalks anymore like it became like more mainstream i think i kind of went in that direction where it's like i'm going to do this identity because nobody even knows enough about it back then to like criticize me you know what i mean like there's like two people in my neighborhood that dress like that like this girl that it's beyond her so I'm going to go, I'm going to jump off in this direction because she has nothing to say. Like she, she has no frame of reference, no perspective with that, you know? So that might've been that Missy incident, although it kind of break, broke my heart a little bit. I think that might've uh, shifted me off in that direction where my identity was, you know, skateboarding clothes and duct tape around my sneaker on my Ollie shoe and stuff like that. That's where, yeah. What's the postscript of this encounter with her though? I mean, was she like, happy to see you or did she yeah like, well, she was i felt like and this is me being a dick like i'm not defending this i was in my early i was probably 24 at the time i felt like yeah you're serving me drinks now and i'm at this animation thing and i'm the creative director of the studio which i was back at, the, at that time i had a very early precocious i've been backpedaling ever since <laughs> like early on like i was that was really important oh i felt important compared to her you know which again is me being a dick but it felt like a proper payoff because that experience i think it'll always stay with me and you know what the thing is it wasn't even that it was a personal attack or that obviously there was a lot of familiarity because we grew up together from kindergarten but we weren't really we didn't know each other that well but it was just like one of those rare experiences, thank God it was rare, where it was like a different type of, a different flavor of bullying, but also just seeing how cruel someone could be randomly. Like it was like, what the, like that doesn't speak to my heart. I'm not a mean spirited person. I don't like yeah, that. Yeah, me neither. I don't really. like that I, shit. I, I, I and you're not like that either. You know, you're yeah. really not. And I'm also very sensitive. So I can never, even if I thought that about somebody, to oh, yeah, embarrass them in front the, of I a, think things all the time. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah. Right. Exactly you think things or you have an inner monologue, you know enough, right. you were taught manners, whatever it is. Like, who, and who knows what she was going through at home or whatever carries on to make somebody, whatever instills something in somebody to make them act like that. But I remember walking away from that, like, holy shit, like, it was taking me apart for no reason. And it was for no reason. Like, it wasn't like I was busting her balls the day before and she was 
exacting some sort of revenge. You know what I mean? It was just like completely random, brutal attack, public attack in front of everybody where I was just caught with my pants down with my green, olive, khaki pants down with my purple sweatshirt. It's funny what you what you remember when because there are there are things that sting that people say to you so bad that you never forget. Usually very personal, maybe unchangeable about you or whatever the case might be. Yeah, like that stuff does sting. And I wonder if the people who say say those things ever no. think about that. Because no. I don't think I am that to anyone else. Right. In other words, like I don't think I've ever said something so I've said things in the heat of the moment to people in fights, you know, in relationships or whatever, but generally speaking i don't think that i've ever been that so crazy that dagger wielder that would just stick it in and be like the, i'm gonna say one i'm gonna say one of the meat the five or and ten completely unprompted anyone's right? ever gonna say to you not it wasn't like you were right in an now. argument or something or you're defending yourself right it's good so yeah, of course that's it's, it's so, crazy and i wonder with you. i have to think that they don't even realize the amount of potential harm they could do or that something like that an experience would stay with you. Like, I even remember this, Kyle. I'll never forget this. Probably the last time I was physically bullied. I was older. I was in like 10th grade. I was on an ornithology field trip, right? I was always thought I was so clever in high school because I had a science sequence that I could replace Mrs. chemistry Carpenter. and or physics with, and I slid ornithology in there. So it was earth science, biology, and ornithology. And I was going to put that with my English sequence. I was going to get my Regents diploma which is like a New York thing, which helps you get into New York state schools for cheaper, right? This whole New York state thing, it's kind of weird. And I was always so proud of that. So ornithology, Mr. Dutton, which is a, who was a neighbor of ours, you know, he was kind of like a really sweet guy, a little bit. We, we kind of perceived him as a pushover. He was just nice. And I was on this ornithology field trip and this dickhead that I always hated, just we were eating lunch on this beach and this dickhead, I'm not even going to say his name because I always hated him. And he just came and pushed me. I was sitting on a picnic table. He just walked by, pushed my chest, and knocked me off the picnic bench. And I landed on my back. And it was completely random. Like, it was like not, I wasn't having a problem with this guy. He wasn't bullying me that year. It was like, I remember having that thought laying there on my back with my sandwich in my hand. Like, I can't believe I'm still getting bullied. Like, what the fuck is happening, you know? But... Yeah. I have to think like it's almost like some random tick. Like I don't even know if it's part of their personality or something that's kind of manifesting itself at home. Maybe that maybe they're abused. Maybe their parents are getting divorced. Who knows? Right. I'm not even completely comfortable with making excuses for this type of people because I think these type of people just exist. I mean, we see it later in life where the physical aspect is no yeah, longer acceptable but there's still bullies in other ways office politics and whatever whatever you want to get into this is a whole conversation for another podcast but I, I it always reminded me of the missy thing because it was like it was just a way of acting or a behavior a brand of behavior that i just was completely off my radar like so foreign to me like that you could act and it, it doesn't make me a great person like i certainly have my faults but just to randomly attack somebody, it's like, yeah, I never, I never forgot it. And I wonder, like, if that does carry over later in life. Do those people take a lesson from it and think back and feel badly and, like, try to change who they are? Or does that sort of behavior carry over into adult life where it's like, 
they're the people mistreating the waiter in the restaurant or being too demanding of the clerk in like Banana Republic or something. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I wonder. I really wonder about that. Probably a little bit. Probably a little both. I, a little I bit agree. of column A and a little bit of column B, I think, probably. All right. I want to talk to you about the timing itself. I mean, how did August feel to you? How did the imminence feel to you? We, we've brought up in the past episodes, for instance, being younger and waiting to get your class assignments. Certainly when you're in high school, you're waiting to get, I mean, that's the big stuff. You're waiting to get your whole run when you're in high school of all of your classes and how it all matches up and who you might be in class with and stuff like that. But how did you feel about August and, and the time leading up? I feel like for me, there was a lot of uncertainty in summertime for me growing up because when mom and dad got divorced, I, I, um, I spent the summers and holidays on Long Island and I spent and like vacations and then I was otherwise in New England. So summertime in 93, 94, 95, 96, sure. 97. So it was just five years where it was just like another world for me. And I would enter this world for like a couple of weeks in December and like a couple of weeks in February or a week in February, a week in April and then this whole summer period. So for me, it was kind of like this waning of shutting this one curtain, like my summer friends, my Long Island friends. And then I go back and reingratiate myself in this other place. So that was certainly a sad part. But by the time I got older, I don't really remember dreading going back to school. Like I didn't really mind it. I always felt like there was some reason to do it, some reason to go. I hated it at times, especially 10th grade. I think that was my worst year. But what do you remember about that? Those weeks leading up to to the event. Yeah. It's, you know, you make me think it's really interesting. I never really, th I was lucky not to think about it from this perspective. Cause I dodged this bullet. Mom and dad split obviously when I was late in high school. So I was able to avoid that, but it is interesting to think about from your perspective or from a child of divorces perspective, because you have that dynamic of maybe spending more time with the one parent. Then you're going to not only, it's not only that big shift of like being off, for two months or so and then having to go back to a grind of getting up early and going five days a week and then look forward to the weekends, you might be living in a whole different place now. You know what I mean? Almost like the microcosm of that would be like being with the dad on the weekend and being with the mom during the week. But you had it, there was a longer time period for each in the summertime and now you're shifting back to another thing. So that is interesting because I, you know, again, like just almost feel bad not thinking about it from that perspective not only for you, but because I grew up with a lot of divorced kids, even if they weren't, they were contemporaries of mine, even if they weren't great friends, like that was certainly around, of course, in the, especially in the eighties, like that's where it really started to really become pronounced. But, and then a couple of people too, like that we grew up with incidentally lost dads, like our friend Stacy, who I saw over the weekend, Dana's best friend growing up, lost her dad early. And then my friend Matt's dad passed away very young too. So just like the single parent kids too which was interesting. But yeah, it's that, you know, August for me, you're waiting for that change. And I think part of the excitement, you know, you already had like, let's say even entering August each year, you already had a month or so off, right? So I think it speaks to like the boredom of being a kid and just having that inherent change. Also, it just so happened, you got the fresh school supplies, if you're lucky, you got the fresh, you know, some fresh clothes to go back to school with. So you have that whole sparkle to the time period. But also like the first week or two of school were fun. 
you're seeing some friends, maybe less close friends or friends that were away for the summer. You're catching up, trading stories about adventures and all that kind of stuff. So it's nice to see everybody. And also nice to know who your teachers are going to be and what your routine is going to be like. But that first week or two wasn't a lot of work. It was the teachers talking about how the school year is going to be, getting your locker, you know, finding out who you're going to be, who you're going to be in class with, where your locker is situated compared to your, you know, yeah, that was friends the and thing, acquaintances. Man. That, that was, was huge. Thing. Yeah, like figuring out as you got older. Yeah, like, I don't know if you remember what, what they would put like the room number, obviously. And you're in ninth and tenth grade. You're maybe not that familiar with it, but by the time you're in eleventh and twelfth grade, you can kind of visualize exactly where everything is. Sure. And like if you can get to your locker in between classes. Oh, good and, point. And yeah, like the geography of yes of all of that and absolutely. That's and huge. of course, also also the personal things like classes with assigned seating. Who you're going to sit around? Lab partner. Who's your lab partner going to be? You're going to get like the hot chick lab partner. You're going to get like the nerdy lab partner. All that. Yes. So there was there was like a lot of newness introduced in in that as well. Absolutely. Which I, which I like. So figuring all that out was fun. That's a good point, Kyle. And then later in high school, it probably became more exciting because you could be in class with upperclassmen or maybe even people that were younger than you. So it increased that purview of who you could possibly potentially be around. I love you're going to be able to be in lunch without like one respite in the day where I could lunch, sit around right? who I want to sit around and get a break and all that kind of stuff. And it's exciting. And it, it, again, it's be, it, and we fell for it every year, right? August was exciting. Middle half of August onward, back to school shopping, getting ready for the new routine, getting ready to hop on the school bus. You're kind of swapping the ice cream trucks for the school buses on the roads. Like the whole, the whole look and feel changed, you know? But every year we would fall for it. Like, this is going to be exciting. This is this is a year of great promise and lofty ambitions. And everybody starts with that clean slate, you know. And then two or three weeks in, it's like drudgery. It's like that grind all over again. Year after year, that sort of, it sort of took that arc. Which is, which is really funny because every year we were so innocent to think like, it didn't matter. We weren't even thinking about what the end of September right. was going to feel like. We just knew going in in early September, the weather's still nice. You know, ironically, you still have three weeks of summer. Yeah, the pool might be still open. Remember what? Remember when we were younger? Yes. Like the pool might still be open. It might. There was like that mystical time where like you were in school, yeah. but you could still go in the pool. Ice like cream that man very still came. Brief you know, you period. still have that. That's a good point. Yeah. Like that. The vestiges of summer. Yeah, exactly. You have that crossover period where it's a little bit of both, which is a very unique feel because after that, you got Halloween. It's cold. The leaves are changing. But yeah, you do. It's kind of mean actually to make kids go. You know, the fact that it switches from summer to fall late in September, like you should let kids enjoy the whole summer, like go back to school in October, like maybe October 1st would be a more apt or more, you know, a more appealing cutoff where it's like, all right, let's start in October. That would also shorten the school year, which would be, I'm sure kids would appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I think we should do the Japanese thing of making all the kids go all year for six days. A week. Can you imagine? That's a lot. No. No. Not here. I don't think it'll happen. Definitely not. Not with our culture. Though, as I wanted to wrap this up, I, I wanted to ask you about how, like, what's the situation with your kids going back to school? How are they feeling? I mean, what what's the feeling in your house? Because you have two kids in different yeah. age ranges. Lilia, I think she's kind of savoring the last vestiges of summer. I think. Because the dynamic's so different, especially with her going down the shore where we're at, where, you know, we are, or going down the shore at her best friend's house, which is a whole different place. 
And just being with her friends and having the freedom, sleeping in at 14 is certainly a big thing. She knows that's going to be over soon. She, she has to get up very early, actually, which I worry about because the shift is huge from her sleeping till noon and then getting up at 5 in the morning, sometimes 5.30. So I think she's excited about, you know, 14-year-old girl. She's excited about the clothes shopping, the gear, stuff like that. But I was grilling Graydon right before I came up to record with you, like just seeing like, how do you, I, cause I don't talk to him about this kind of stuff normally, you know, like, how do you feel about back to school? Do you get excited about the gear, like the clothes, the new backpack, like some new kicks, just seeing some friends that are outside of your immediate pocket of friends, closest friends that you're now going to see. And he's like, no, not really. Like he doesn't get really excited about it. They do get excited about getting their teachers, but He's known his teacher for a few weeks now. They sent that out. And I think they should, I don't think they should let them know. I think they should hold that out until later in August because that's the one kid thing that the kids seem to get the most excited about or anticipate the most is getting that teacher. Hmm. It's only, you know, for every grade, K through six, Graydon's going into fifth now. I think generally they only have three to five teachers in each grade. So it's not that many to choose from. But he actually landed with a really good teacher. I was shocked because this guy's been a veteran at that school. Lilia never had him. And there was one potential candidate for Graydon that Lilia really did love, this one specific teacher. And she was like, no, this guy's like 10 times better than her. Like he's supposed to be like the best dude to get because not only does he head up science, which is kind of Graydon's thing and engineering, which is kind of Graydon's area of interest, but also he's just cool. Like, he just makes learning fun type of thing. Like, even Lilia know that, even though she didn't come through him mm. at all. She never had him. And it's interesting because it seems like it's hard to miss certain teachers, because especially because they'll move the teachers around. Like, Graydon's second grade, one of Graydon's second grade teachers, or his second grade teacher was moved up to fifth. So, potentially, he could have had him again, which was like, oh, that's kind of weird, like, to have the same teacher three years apart. Yeah, it's interesting. Type of thing. But, yeah, generally, and I think... It's just less exciting because what, you know, what are they going to look forward to? They have their laptops. So it's not like they're hitting the stationary store, the box store, Target or whatever for school supplies. They're not going to do that until the teacher says specifically what they need. So that excitement's out. And Graydon's, you know, 10 going on 11 year old boy. He's not excited about clothes. (laughs) So it's like, what is there for him? He's like, he just knows it's going to be a time of grinding. There's going to be tests it's going to be quizzes. It's going to be homework, you know, that type of thing. And I think here's the thing. Now, if you're a kid, you might want to listen to this because this is a, this is a hard truth for you. COVID, kids didn't have a lot of homework. All, high school on down. It seemed, well, junior high on down, I could say. Like they just didn't, teachers sort of sculpted their itineraries and everything and their uh, curriculum around like the burden, I guess, of, COVID in general, but I think we're going back now with the 2021 to 2022 school year where it's going to be back to business as usual with homework. And it's bad in my school district. It starts to get bad even in elementary school. It could be like two or three hours a night. And I think the kids are in for a rude awakening with that. You know, it wasn't like that when I was homework got bad in high school for me, junior high, Hmm. maybe it started to take off like in seventh or eighth grade, but certainly by the time we got ahead of steam in ninth grade. We were doing homework. It was serious business. But I think the kids are going to be in for a call. I don't know. 
I think this is going to be kind of like that type of year where it's going to feel like a sea change for them, where it's going to be like, you know, coming out of COVID, things were a little more relaxed. Now I think you're going back into like a proper, a proper school year. It's interesting too, in our school district, they have for elementary school, they have, they could opt in for a virtual model again. There's no hybrid model where you go to school, but it's one or the other. Yeah, you have to do one or the other. And I'm noticing, uh, was on Dana's Instagram today or yesterday, like only 55% apparently of Virginians are vaccinated, where I think it's probably closer to 75, 80% here. That worries me a little bit because the kids, Yeah. I I don't know very many anti-vaxxers, although I know a few, but that seems to be more prevalent in other places you know, besides the Northeast, I guess New York is the same thing, 70% or something. So it's going to be interesting. I just, you know what? I just hope that they could go through a normal school year and just be as normal as it possibly could be now, while of course taking precautions and being healthy and being health conscious and safe. But I feel bad for them. I I just feel like every year that you miss, especially in public school of this K through 12 thing is like, you're missing a year of growing up in a normal way almost. So I just really hope for a revert, yeah, yeah. you know, for a reverting back to some sense, some semblance of normalcy, you know. I, I agree and I hope that that happens because I've been, you know, you read things and it's, I think there's going to be a big adjustment. Like kids are losing out on, on things that will affect them for the rest of their lives. If this happens for another year, I think that we're going to be in some serious trouble with the next generation of people coming up. I, I read something pretty spooky that they were saying like the average person or the average child has already lost $60,000 in lifetime earnings or whatever because of COVID because of edu- really. Yeah. Like, How does that translate? I guess it's because of like average educational deficit and then like oh, sure. the colleges you get in and then the competitive nature on, you know, some sort of algorithmic thing, some sort of study. It's just a study. No, Doesn't absolutely. Mean that yeah. I mean, my heart goes out juniors and seniors, not only missing graduation, but being in the throes of choosing colleges and, Look at these generations of kids missing preschool. They're going from like being three or four to going right into kindergarten, right? You don't even have that sort of training, which some people would argue is maybe unnecessary or maybe indulgent. But I always like the idea of like preschool, getting kids ready and yeah, ramped up. I was in nursery school for two years. Me too. Before I went. My kids too. Yeah. I think it's important. I, I think we should, hold, we should hold them back. And what I think we should do is start putting kids in nursery school at 10 years old. <laughs> it's you, like Lord of get, the Flies. Right, exactly. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens. But I don't know. It was a fun conversation, Dig. I, I'm glad that we were able to kind of touch on that little piece of minutia. That was super, super fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you for your time today. And thank you for all your love, kindness, and support out there for, of our show. Sacred Symbols. Oh, no, it's not Sacred Symbols. Knockback uh, Retro <laughs> Nostalgia Podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You? I'm so tired. Are you tired? Yeah, like I'm worn. You know, I'm... I mean, I guess this is a postscript, but I'm really beginning to understand that I just need to let certain things go. I can't do everything. Right. And as I let, I get less tired mentally, the more I let, just let go of the extraneous things in my life that I would love to do, but I just don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the, the bandwidth. So yeah, I'm just totally shot. Uh, but we're, I mean, we're rolling six shows a week. I'm not on all of them, so it's not like it's a big deal. How many but. sacred symbols do you do? Are you doing two sacred symbols each week right now? Three each week. Three you're doing? Yeah. 
yeah, I do the rate. We do the regular episodes on Thursday and then we do, we roll out an episode on Saturday and an episode on Tuesday. Oh, I didn't realize you were doing three. That's why you're tired. So there, but there are various things like in, like on Saturday, it were tomorrow's like an interview that's going up on Tuesday. I think like the one before that was a call in show, which are fucking hysterical. I oh, those gotta those. be so and, much fun. And then, um, and then we, you know, have more interviews and spoiler cast and stuff. So yeah, it's a lot, but we're doing six shows cumulatively. So it's, it's just a lot. And I, I have to think sometimes when I'm doing the intros and outros, I'm like, what show am I on right now? Because it's not only Sacred Symbols, it's Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, then Sacred Symbols Plus, a PlayStation podcast supplement, and then Knockback, the Retro Nostalgia podcast. So yeah, it's a lot. But anyway, I was thanking everyone for their support. We appreciate you, your You're love, kindness. You all are that. the best. And um, yeah, we'll be back. We'll obviously get back into the MCU. I know a lot of people want that from us. Metal Gear Solid 2, that's coming. It's We're going to be putting another HBO miniseries out soon, mm-hmm. an episode about that. So much to discuss but in the meantime we appreciate you we thank you we hope you enjoyed the episode we'll see you next time for more knockback and wait don't forget the dad joke oh Oh, i'm sorry tired jesus christ yeah tired my friend let's yeah i'm sorry jesus i am tired (laughs) well you know what kyle my advice let's do it in in an overarching way baby steps baby steps as long as you're moving you're moving in the right direction by detaching from things you don't do even if you do that slowly in dribs and drabs you know bit by bit that's that's all you need that's that's the advice I was going to say, I mean, it all, be, I appreciate that. And I was, I was going to say it all kind of began. I mean, this does begin in waves for me. Yeah. I used to be a re- I mean, I, I am still a workaholic. I, I was thinking actually Rachel Maddow, the NBC host, the, or the MSNBC host. Sure. She gave an interview recently. I was just reading it where she said she hasn't taken more than two weeks off since 2008. Holy And I cow. was like, but I was like 13 years. I was like, so what? I haven't taken two weeks off in my entire fucking life. I have no, like, I don't two weeks off. I don't even know what that, that means. To take two weeks off? Oh, two weeks. She's saying at one time. Yeah, one time. I'm saying like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I've never taken two weeks off of my entire life. You know, so I'm trying to. So when I read that, I was like, all right, well, I guess my expectations are a little different, but I'm trying to nibble around the edges. And one of the things was we were supposed to do Let's Plays, as I explained in an email to you about something else. And I basically was just like, no, we, we can't do this. Like and the and the audience totally understood. I'm like, we just can't do this. I I can't even begin to think about this. So they just want the show as the best they can be. But anyway, back to the uh, the almost. Let's do the dad joke, my friend. Uh, skipped over dad joke, yes. And that, let's do. You know what? I I also have to say, kind of ap- apologize for this appearance, but it's going to be a nice contrast next week. I'll be very clean cut. I have to. Pro- I'm promising. This way, it holds me to it. Now it holds my my feet to the flame. And that'll dovetail with the episode we're doing next week, too. That clean-cut appearance. So look forward to that contrast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I also want to say real quick, just yeah, I got to just course. put this in the ether out there. I totally Take forgot about this. Right before I came onto the show, we were a little late today, I ran, I did a full hour on the elliptical. Holy shit. Beat my mileage and calorie record. Six point, I think it was like 6.3 miles in an hour and uh, like 820 calories burned. Whole, so. An hour straight? Yeah, an hour straight. Yeah. Holy cow, that seems like a lot. Yeah, it was great. Who I'm was so, it? I'm, one of your, one of your uh, nieces or nephews. I think it was Ayla on Dad's elliptical in the basement. She was. Oh, doing, she did like 35 minutes or something. Yeah. Like, Ayla, what do you do? Like, you, you don't have to work so hard. Like, you're supposed to be relaxing this weekend, you know? They were just down there hanging out, and I think she just kept going, you know? I, she, I was dude, like, wow, I love, I love, the, I love the elliptical. I, I love the elliptical. It's nice. That's a nice, that's a nice thing to have. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing that, man. Yeah, thank you. So, Dad joke. I think I would like to continue to use this as a vehicle when we can to shout out a listener or a watcher of the show, a knockbacker, if you will. So today's call 
brought to us by a friend of ours, Tony Borison via Twitter DM. Tony, they don't like this one. It's on you, my friend. That's another thing. Scapegoat. I like the scapegoat. Angle. Yeah, definitely. For me, now it's you're great. Not, you used to plagiarize and have to kind of take <laughs> credit for that. Not anymore. All right, my friend. Kyle, what do you call a musician who smashes his guitar during a concert? I don't know. An axe murderer. That's <laughs> pretty good. I like it. Yeah. Sort of conjured good. up images of Kiss for me for some reason. But who else smashed the guitar on stage? Who was notorious? Oh, Nir- oh Hendrix, right? Yeah, Hendrix did. But I was going to say, like, there, there are famous performances of, on TV of Nirvana and mm. others doing, you know, doing that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. But Good shit. Little, little, yeah, rock stars, man. The best. All right. Now we can really go. Now we can We appreciate go. your love, kindness, and support. Thank you so much uh, for supporting us on Patreon, free feeds, YouTube, whatever. We thank you. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Knockback, a retro and nostalgia podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and the Philadelphia suburbs, USA. The show was conceived by and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Dagan Moriarty. Knockback's executive producer is Dustin Furman and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. Moriarty. My co-host is Dagan Moriarty. Knockback's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Knockback, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Jordan Mittman, Tristan Palacios, Graham Plays, Christian Rodriguez, Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Chris Kelly, Avaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Hallen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holbrook, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H-Trons, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Jeffrey Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler 526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Anti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Zach Allum, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie 108, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter 86, Michael J. Sutherland, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travelis Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algaret, Richard Hebert the 
Third, Miranda Grubber, Ray Lagia, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Dan Parson, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinsler III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinnison, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson-Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Purdue, Patrick Carper, Madmock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Diamore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Jordan Mittman, Tristan Palacios, Graham Plays, Christian Rodriguez, Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Chris Kelly, Avaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Allen Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Randall Holsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holbert, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Callan Lennon, Daniel Johnson, H-Trons, an unofficial controller podcast, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Jeffrey Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Zach Parsley, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Rinsler 526, Ben B, TB Lightning, Antti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Evan Dalton, Zach Allen, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie 108, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter 86, Michael J. Sutherland, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travelis Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algaret, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubber, Ray Lagia, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Dan Parson, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Binkley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Kyle Thomas, James Kinsler III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinnison, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson-Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Purdue, Patrick Carper, Madmock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming.